of knots it is necessary that I speak. In the wise words of Clifford Ashley, it is said that a knot is either tied correctly or hopelessly wrong. In this podcast, we will be talking about all things rope and knot related. So when the question comes, can you not? The answer will hopefully be yes. So to start off, I thought I'd talk about the different types of ropes, as there are many variety out there, and I have a fairly strong opinion on what rope is actually good and what rope is just pure trash and should be killed upon sight with fire. With that, I'll kind of start. So there are two types of rope kind of groups mainly out there. One is synthetics. One is natural fibers. Now, natural fibers, there are about four to five different fibers you can find out there, pretty relatively, easily, and some of them are great, some of them are okay, and some of them are just pure disgusting. One of the best cordages on the planet of natural fiber is manila. I cannot speak more highly of manila. Um, it is a plant, is a rope that comes from the natural fiber uh, from the plant manila that is named so from the f- capital of the Philippines, where it's native to. It's relatively strong. It's very smooth in the hand. It's very nice to the hand. Won't put splinters in your hand like some cordages. It's relatively rot resistant. It has a very good life expectancy. Overall, it's a very good quality rope. Now, is it the rope I would use for everything in my life? No. It um, is ideal for lashing, which at some point I'll probably get on a tangent on. And it's good for a lot of, you know, rugged wear, outdoor use. But if I had to go hike, you know, 50 miles, I hate to say it, but Manila's going to be staying at home. Other types of natural fibers include core. Core is made out of coconut husks. Pro, it floats in salt water. Con, it's super weak and it's not really commercially available in large diameters. So, cool if you're in the southern islands, I guess, or out in that area and you work a lot in oceanic, but for the modern rope tire, it's not going to really be practical. Another fiber you might probably have seen is cotton, so it's great for your clothesline. It's absolutely trash for everything else. Um, well, that's not true. It works all right for decorative knotting and small, like, fiddler ties, but it's not very strong due to the length of the fiber of cotton, and it holds moisture and can rot easily and mildew, and you really don't want that. Uh, pro, though, it is also smooth, but... Due to the lack of strength, it doesn't have much use with most knot tying. Other natural fibers would be silk. Lovely fiber. Super strong. Used a lot for the, uh, some might call the French necktie or the noose. But problematically is it's relatively expensive. And unless you're looking for some uh, rope for certain functions, you can look it up and probably find what type of silk rope you can find on the internet, uh, you're not going to be able to find rope from any um, 
good dealers, to say the least. Well, I'll leave it vague. You can have the fun of looking it up later. Then there's two more natural fibers. Um, I'll cover the worst one, I guess, first. That would be sisal, or some might say sisal. It's sisal. Those that say sisal are just, just wrong. Just know that. With sisal rope, um, it has one use, in my opinion. It's a great fire starter. You might be asking yourself, whoa, hold up, Ian. It's rope? You want to burn rope? What? Huh? I thought this was a knot podcast. I thought you loved all the ropes. No, Cecil. Kill it with fire. Kill it on sight. Don't, don't even bother. No. The purpose for this is because Cecil has a very real, relatively short strand or fiber length, similar to some of the other cordages. Not as short as core or cotton or any of those, but not as long as manila. The major problem, though, is that it's coming out of a cactus, out of Mexico and South America in general. Um, Now, I don't know if I really need to explain this, but cactus rope. Do you see the problem here, I hope? If not, let me explain a little bit. What happens with Cecil, uh, especially fresh Cecil, when it gets seasoned over a couple years, it gets a little bit better. But the major problem with fresh, fresh is that as soon as you start using it, you'll get splinters in your fingers, underneath your nail beds. It sucks when you get those. It's super splintery. So if you ever just needed to tie somebody up that you didn't like, um, use a wet Cecil rope and tie it nice and tight. And as it shrinks, because rope, when it's wet, will stretch a little bit more. As it shrinks, it'll get really tight, and uh, it'll be uncomfortable for that person, to say the least. Um, now, the last type of rope, you'll hear a lot of people say, it's the best type of rope, historically. And, uh, well, yes, it is historically the preferred type of rope. In modern day and age, due to all sorts of different restrictions and legal stuff, and just pure accessibility, it's not common. And that would be hemp. Hemp rope, similar to manila, a lot of pros, major con of the availability of it. So that's why manila is kind of taking the, the high roll for most natural fiber ropes. Um, now, kind of getting into the synthetic ropes. Now, for synthetic ropes, I'm pretty opinionated again, similar to how I'm in the other, where there's really only a handful of synthetic ropes I would truly ever ever really use. Um, one of those is Kern Mantle, which you may know is this climbing rope. And that's its purpose. It's for climbing. Doubt it. Um, the other, which is one that I like to use a lot because of its size and weight, is Parachute Cord. It's a nylon base cord that has a a twisted interior with a braided exterior. Uh, I think everyone's probably heard of it and seen it before, so I don't need to probably explain it too much. There's a lot of pros, pros of colors and weight. Fits in the pocket easily. And it's a good, just kind of good thing to learn on. And it's easy to carry in backpacking and setting stuff up, and it works Pretty much everywhere, and it's pretty cheap. Getting away from those two, you got 
I don't know, a couple different varieties. I usually just go with the polylines. And technically there's multiple types. It's polyethylene, polyester, uh, polypropylene. All of these for knot tying are not ideal, especially if you're just a hobbyist. While they do have their place in a couple boating scenarios, a couple towing scenarios, I do believe nylon actually is preferred for even some tow ropes, though. Most of the time, these ropes are, I describe as plastic bag ropes. Or just generally not preferred ropes. For most applications, if you're going to need a rope like that, I would recommend a manila. Mm, it works better most of the time. Um... But yeah, I, I can't really speak much for poly ropes. There's none that I really like, and there's none that are all that good. And so, okay, apparently I only can use half an hour of this time. I'm learning with this program still. It's, it'll be okay. And let's see, is there any other kind of rope? Ah, oh, yes, hot fusing and whipping and splicing. So when it comes to rope, enter ropes properly. Take care of your ropes. You know, you do the same for any of your gear. You would have take care of your clothing. You take care of yourself. If you know something's cut, you you know you make sure it doesn't make become a mess. Same thing with ropes. You want to end them properly. For uh, twisted ropes such as most three strand vanillas, splice it. Splice the ends. Now, when you get into very large gauge, such as inch, no, 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 not an inch, oh, about two inch Manila. Okay, you're better off whipping it and do a good stitch whipping, and you'll be nice and happy. I can promise you, if you try to uh, whip a back splice, that two inch stuff, you're gonna have a hell of a time. As for natural fiber, not natural fiber, I'm sorry, synthetic cordages, mostly P-cord in this instance, fusing is the best way. Personally, I fuse with a lighter, and I've also played around a little bit with a hot knife. Um, while a hot knife is a lot of fun, uh, and probably it's a little bit easier almost. Uh, for my mind, I still like using a lighter, but it's a personal preference, again. I guess it also brings up the idea of cutting rope. Some people will uh, cut ropes willy-nilly. And those people are, uh, in my opinion, kind of dumb. Like, I think there's a saying that goes around is measure twice, cut once. Yeah, you can tie a knot to join things back together. You can tie a bend. But it's nine times out of ten, you don't really need to cut your rope. And if you you're smart about how you go out with the rope, you're already going to have all the pieces you need. Myself, I like to carry my rope in uh, fathoms. That's a measurement, just so folks know. It's about a wingspan. So my usual coils are about three fathoms. When I have to have a ridge line, I like to go eh, somewhere between five to ten, depending on the size and the area that I'm in. And for tie-offs, for like a tarp, I like to carry about one fathom stretchers. Which, you know, fathom usually about six, somewhere between five to six feet, so. Super handy. As for, you know, 
cutting rope, yeah, you don't need to cut rope all that often. And if you're cutting rope in the field, it's either for repair or something went wrong with your planning. So plan ahead, fuse and cut rope at home. Also, just please fuse ropes properly. Don't do a half-assed job. Like, I'll see people, like, do a really quick fuse, and a couple days later, I'll see the same rope, and it's little fuse is just popping out the end. You want to fuse it? You want to get it and fuse it real good? Get a little lit? That the nylon burning and nice flaming. It's, like, ready to drip. And just blow that out. Make sure you blow it away from people. I still got a nasty couple of... Couple burns on my hands from dripping nylon and stuff. Second degree burn almost instantly. So that's about all that I really have to say on types of rope and which rope material and what works the best. So I think I think a good usage of my time now would be talking a little bit about one of the texts I'll be referencing throughout this entire podcast series, however long it might be. And then also talking a little bit about what makes, why knots? Like, why are knots so interesting to me? And how can knots be so diverse for being so little? So to start off, the book I'll be referencing for the most part is the Ashley Book of Knots. Um, For those that are well-versed in the way of the knot, it's known as the Knot Time Bible. And it's known so for a reason. The Ashley Book of Knots has, let me check how many knots it has. I believe it has, it's a, well, it's about 68, six, no, it's not 60, 630 pages with approximately, my brain is saying like three, uh, three, three thousand, yeah, 3,000-ish knots. It's, um, I have it as a PDF, so it's a pretty massive file, so it doesn't like to, doesn't like to load at the speed of light I like to go. Oh, it has a glossary. I'm going to have to read through that one of these days. Um, but the Ashley Book of Knox comes out of Clifford Ashley's writing, who was a maritime gentleman in uh, the early 1900s. And he pretty much collected knots. And I uh, guess it has uh, just shy of 4,000 entries, not all of which are knots, but... A fair amount of them are, so put that into perspective. There's at least, uh, probably about, be accurate, it's almost 3,500 different knots. With that in mind, since this has been published, and this was published in 1944, with only having been revised in, I believe, 1974 approximately, by the International Guild of Knot Tires, there have been found, I believe, a handful of mistakes. I think it's under 10 in all of his illustrations that were done by hand. So before you say, oh, well, he made some mistakes. Yeah, he did them all by hand. Not really anything to, you know, complain about. Like, he is, he was amazing. And with this text, it's, it has it all. There have been two knots, I believe, that have theoretically kind of been invented since this text has been published. And some say they are new. Others say that they're actually in here as unlabeled knots, um, other than just a miscellaneous bend or this or that. 
And there's also quite a few knots out there that have gone to the grave with sailors. I say sailors, and you're probably like, what? what are you talking about? So in the days of the tall ship, you know, big boats, big sails, lots of rope, lots of line. Sailors used rope as basically their, their little ditty bags, which personal effects bag, would often have rope. And it was a source of great pride between sailors to have the most complicated knots. I know. Pretty exciting tent. I kind of wish I could be back there. But not, sadly, I'm in the slightly couple of years away. And all tall ships are pretty much deceased, sadly. But with that still being said, sometimes knots were taken to the grave. They were guarded with as a close-kept secret. And so what we know is what Clifford Ashley was able to get from his travels on tall ships going pretty much across the world. And before you think it was just sailors, there is quite literally an entire chapter devoted to all the different professions that use knots. And when I say all the different professions, it's literally every single profession pretty much under the sun from climbing to the milkman to the farmer to the gardener to the, I don't even know all the different professions, the arborist I know is in there, the... Oh, what other things? I feel like the policeman probably got a little one. In short, everybody uses knots in their day-to-day life. At least they did in the 40s. And nowadays, it's it's definitely not as important that we know knots. But it still is a thing that it's a really good thing just to know. Because, I mean, hell, it doesn't carry. I mean, it's just information. It doesn't weigh anything little scrap of rope. You never know when you're going to have to tie something up. Be it tie something down to your truck or your vehicle or someone else's vehicle or, you know, improvising, you know, a splint or a traction splint in the middle of the field. I bring a lot of outdoor education, you know, minds in here, but you never know. Again, you know, it's better to know a knot than not. That's... That's a good one. It's better to know know a knot than not. Mm -hmm. That'll that'll confuse you. But with that being said, it's a lovely book. It contains all different types of knots from bends to uh, joining knots to loop knots to sliding knots to nooses. There's a whole chapter dedicated to nooses. Um, Every single pretty much decorative knot that he could find from knob knots to plate plats plats um, uh, flat like, mats to splices. There's quite a bit on splices. Whole chapter on Turks' heads and all the different variations of them. I think I've rambled too much about the. If you can't tell, it's a very, very complete text of pretty much knotting in the world. Not the easiest book to dissect if you're trying to learn a knot, but with that in mind, still is a lovely text, and I would really recommend reading it. And there are some great stories in the introductions to a lot of the chapters, so, and some good quotes. So the next thing I want to talk about is just the variety of knots, and yet still how they're all very much made out of a few things. So when I say knot, knots actually is a term that describes a subset of knots. I know that's confusing because modern day terminology. Anyways, a knot can be a very broad thing. 
It's, yeah. But to be more precise... Okay, yeah, stop telling me I can record a 30 minutes thing. Okay. Um, knots are subset within knots. So I'm not going to try to make you understand this. This is confusing. I understand this. So a knot can pretty much be anything that's tied in hand. So like if you just tie a, if you tie a loop and stick the rope through and you got an overhand knot on a piece of rope, that is a knot. Now, say you were to make a loop and you're using a, a knot many folks know, the bowline. Bolin is also a knot. It's a loop knot, to be exact. Now, say you use a knot such as the... Um, let's see here. A lot of names are running through my brain. I just gotta find the right one. Uh, the sheet bend. A sheet bend... See, it wasn't a knot. It's a bend. Now, a bend joins the ropes together. So, say if you're climbing and decide to tie a figure eight on a bite hypothetically, definitely not an example that I was given in a class. Um, figure eight on a bite is not a proper knot. It's not the correct knot to join two ropes together. While, say, a Flemish bend, which is very similar in structure but slightly different, is the ideal knot for that. Bend, I guess, if you want to be technical. So bends join ropes together. Major thing to get away. The other types are hitches which are knots that are tied around an object and that cannot stand on their own. So maybe you might know of the clove hitch. If you try to clove, tie the clove hitch in the air, it'll fall apart. Or the trucker's hitch, or I'm not going to name 100 hitches. That's going to just get confusing. Uh, and the last kind of major category of knots are the splices. Splices are usually defined with uh, either twisted or braided ropes, and it's weaving it back into itself so that it either ends or makes a permanent loop or joins it together um, with another piece. There's, a couple, there's quite a few different varieties that can be seen in these, and they're really beautiful, and they're really fun to master. With that being said, it's not something too many people know anymore as well, which is a sad because it's a lovely skill. Um, last thing I really want to talk about in this kind of section is how... The variety of knots are all tied together with a handful of seemingly, or not seemingly, very simple components. All knots can be made out of, let's say, under 10 pieces, or 10 kind of terminologies. An overhand loop, an underhand loop, a bend or fold. A uh, going under a loop and through, and going over a loop and through, crossing over top, crossing underneath. And yeah, that's about it. And then knowing a few other terms, such as the running end and the working end. Running is the tail, working is the one you're actually doing most of the work with. There are knots that don't even use those. Some just can be tied in the middle of a strand, so, which are really fun. And, yeah, so this has been the... Seems like a good way to end this first one. And in the future, I might have some people to pose some questions so that I can argue that their opinion is wrong and or help them learn more and 
have a nice conversation about knots and all things related. Um, if folks actually want this to continue or just thought this was going to be a joke that I wasn't going to do because I get bored at this time of night, well, surprise. Um, and as I said many times over this season, uh, what is it? May your inner slice tighten. May you strive to learn more and more every day. And with that, I'm going to hope this all worked out well. <laughs>